We're continuing our series entitled The Secrets to Enjoying God. Last week, I talked about the secrets to enjoying the Word of God. This week's message is entitled The Secrets to Enjoying the Presence of God. At 18 years old, the Lord started to apprehend my heart, and so I went back after my first year in university to my hometown and asked my youth pastor if he had mentored me, and he said yes, and then he handed me a book and said, we'll go through this book together, and I looked at the title and couldn't have been more disappointed because I didn't think there had been a more boring title written on earth. It was entitled Celebration of Discipline. And I looked at it, and my heart went, wah, wah. I wanted, like, fighting the fight, warriors in faith, men on fire, you know, and not celebration of discipline. I was like, can those words even go together? And so my youth pastor, Chris, said, we're going to read this book. We'll read a chapter a week. And, Robert, there's different practices in it. And so I want you to do each practice that it, that it talks about, and then we'll come back and discuss it together. And so I didn't get but from the first or second chapter, and it was on prayer and meditation. And it talked about this ancient exercise of prayer that, that followers of Jesus have been doing for, for, for centuries of sitting focusing on the Lord, and then symbolically placing their hands down and repenting of sin. So I, I, I did it. I said, Lord, I'm so sorry for my, my lustful thoughts. I'm so sorry for my jealousy, for my envy, for my bitterness. And I just exhaled and was letting that go. And then it said, after you repent of sin, then open your hands symbolically to receive in, that, in the place of things you just let go to receive the fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. So it said, breathe in, and I breathe in, and said, the Holy Spirit, fill me. And I hadn't done that, but a couple of times when something happened that I had no grid for because I grew up in a much more heady tradition in the church, and I had this, what I call like a trifecta experience of, of this liquid warmth coming down over my body, and then this kind of electricity starting to vibrate through me, and then something welling up from within me, and I immediately went, oh! And I jumped up. I was in my, my, my parents' living room next to this grand piano, and I jump up. I run upstairs. I dive into my bed. I pull up the covers, and I'm like, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for getting into something so weird. I was praying. But I, I, not only had I not heard anything, I hadn't studied church history to know that D.L. Moody talked about buckets of liquid love washing over him. I hadn't read about John Wesley who said that my heart was strangely warmed. And so all I knew to do is to go the next day into Chris, my youth pastor's office, and say, hey, Chris, I was reading that book that you gave me. And I was doing one of those practices that you told me to do. And, and I started having this experience, and I started unpacking it to him. And I said, have you ever experienced anything like that? And he looks at me really strangely and goes, nope. And I went, okay. And I jumped up, and I walked out of the room. Not to experience something like that for three more years. And all I could say is my faith was so dry, and my heart was so hungry because I, I wanted something more, but I had shut the door on what God was giving. Can I tell you today that the tangible presence of God is one of the greatest delineating factors between religion and relationship? 
Religion is just agreeing to or adhering to a set of beliefs and then trying to act within a conduct code and doing rituals. Relationship is actually hosting the presence of the living God. Do you know that's your birthright as a child of God? Hosting the presence of God. Strangely enough, the first time we read the word presence is in the life of Cain. Do you remember Cain? He's Adam and Eve's son who actually kills his brother, Abel, out of jealousy. And then we read about the presence of God because this is how Cain responds to what God does after he kills Abel. Cain says, today you're driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. And the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. There are several things we learn from this first mention of the word presence. Number one, God had set up Eden, the Garden of Eden, for man and woman to live in his presence. Like when we read about Adam and Eve, it says they walked with God in the cool of the evening. You were created, humans were created to live in the presence of God. The second thing we learn, though, is that sin is what separates us from living in the presence of God. And the third thing we learn from Cain is he experiences the separation from God as a painful thing. It's painful to be human and not live in the presence of God because it is what you were created for. Now, let me define what presence means. It's a Hebrew word which is panim, panim, and it literally means face. So when we're talking about living in the presence of God, we're talking about a face-to-face relationship. We're talking about what I do with my kids every night is I get right in their face and I say, I love you, and I kiss them, even as teenagers, as a teenage football player sitting on the front row, I still get in his face and I say, I love you. That is God's heart for you. And so we start seeing then a man who really does model this in the life of Moses. And it says of Moses that Moses talked to God face to face as a man talks to his friend. But then what we have the tendency to do as people is go, yeah, I get it from Moses. Like he's so special and he's so chosen, but not me. Like I'm just an ordinary person. I'm like worldly and fleshly and just not like super spiritual. So it's not for me. But then what we see is not only was Moses a model, but then God set up through Moses. He said, now help all the people experience me by creating this Exodus 25, eight, then have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. God's heart is for everyone to experience his presence, to dwell among his people. It's your inheritance. Exodus 25, 30. Now, this is interesting. So they build the sanctuary, and then God tells them, put the bread of the 
presence on this table to be before me at all times. And so we start to understand through this symbol that the presence of God is actually our bread. It's actually what will sustain you. There are two types of cultures. There's bread cultures and there's rice cultures. And what that means is it's the basic sustenance food of the culture. And the Hebrews were a bread culture. And so what they were supposed to learn is that God's presence is my bread. It's my daily sustenance. Can I tell you that you daily need the presence of God to feed on? And then Moses goes back up the mountain, has this encounter with God, and the Lord replied, my presence will go with you. It's not just going to be in this sanctuary. You're actually a people that can walk around hosting my presence wherever you go, and I will give you rest. Do you know that you will only find rest in the presence of God? Exodus thirty-three fifteen. then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, then don't send us up from here. Is that your cry today? Like, Lord, I don't want to do anything without your presence. I never want to leave your presence. Do you know why I hate sin? It's because it, it removes me from the presence of God. Now, let me just make this very clear. This message is not about you being good enough to reach the presence of God. Sin separates us from his presence, but Jesus came to die in your place, and he took your sins in his body on the cross, and he died for that, and then he rose again, defeating the power of sin and death, and he ascended into heaven to give you the opportunity to be reunited with the presence of God. It's purchased for you. It's just will you accept that gift and live in that gift and carry that gift around. Let me tell you what the presence of God brings into your life because that's my desire. I want to live in the presence of God. I, I, every morning when I wake up, the first thing I do before I get out of bed is I'm like, hello, Lord, I want to be with you today. I don't want to get out of bed without your presence. And I don't want to leave my house without your presence. And, and I don't want to go to work without your presence. And I certainly don't want to go to school without your presence. And, and the presence of God, this is what it brings into your life. Number one, I encourage you to write these down. Put them in your phone. It's legal to use your phone in this church as long as you're taking notes or putting nice pictures of me on Instagram. Uh, number one, it's joy. Joy. Number one, in his presence is the fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. I've made it a habit of asking people wherever I go, how can I pray for you? By far, the number one request is I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. Can I tell you that true happiness, actually something that transcends happiness, which is joy, because happiness goes up and down, but joy can be constant. In his presence is the fullness of joy. Some of us are just running, chasing experiences so much because we're looking for happiness. And I can tell you, God wants you to have fun experiences. He wants you to go to, I think he wants you to go to Disneyland, but he wants you to, to have these things. But he wants to supersede that where you live in joy no matter what you're doing. Blessings. 
in his presence, his blessings. Psalm 21, 6, surely you've granted him unending blessings and made him glad with the joy of your presence. Some of you have felt like you've been cursed from day one, the situation you were born in, the family that you were born in, the place that you were born, the way people treated you. Can I tell you, get in the presence of God and blessings follow. Next, shelter. Psalm 31, 20, in the shelter of your presence. You hide them from all human intrigues. You keep them safe in your dwelling from accusing tongues. Some of you right now at work, you're dealing with persecution. You're dealing with hatred. You're dealing with gossip. Guess what? You don't have to defend yourself. Instead, get in the presence of God. His presence. Carry his presence into work and that will shield you. That protects you. His presence shields and protects you. He covers us with his wings, is what scripture says. Light, God's presence dispels darkness. Psalm 89, 15, blessed are those who've learned to acclaim you who walk in the light of your presence, Lord. I've been very vulnerable uh, in different times explaining that one of my challenges in life has been sleep and and dealing with severe insomnia. And then when you deal with a, a struggle like that, oftentimes fear and anxiety comes in and you feel the darkness coming around you. And can I just tell you that the secret to dispelling darkness is to get in the light of his presence. And so even this week, I was feeling that darkness just trying to come on to spiritual warfare. And so I just started getting in God's presence and I just sensed that tangible pre- I went from anxiety to the presence of God. And I actually did this. I went, I put my arms back, kicked up my feet in bed like I was on the beach in Coronado on a 76-degree day. It brings the light that dispels the darkness. You're dealing with darkness in your mind, darkness around you. Get in the presence of God, and it'll bring light in any situation. It establishes you, Psalm 102, 28, the children of your servants will live in your presence. Their descendants will be established before you. You might say, I was a military kid. I've never felt established. My parents moved me every two years. I feel like a foreigner everywhere you go. You might be a refugee in our church, and you might say, I don't feel at home here. I'm like a sojourner. I feel like a foreigner all the time. And the Bible says that it's his presence that establishes you. You might have felt like an outcast your whole life, but you're on the inside when you get in his presence. You become the greatest insider on earth because you're inside Christ. The light, Proverbs 8.30, then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, always rejoicing in his presence. More delightful than the most frothy coffee. More delightful than a Kit Kat bar. You name your delight, it's his presence that brings delight. It's his presence that brings delight. And lastly, rest. Not lastly, but lastly on my list is rest. 1 John 3.19, this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. More than a week vacation which I totally encourage you to take, but more than that, you will find rest in the presence of God. You will find rest 
And there are very few people in life that actually enter into rest. And we don't enter into rest by focusing on rest. We enter into rest by experiencing his presence. I, I believe it's the lack of his presence in our lives that leads us into substance abuse because you are made to need comfort. You are made for experience. You want joy and exhilaration. It's what leads us into all kinds of sexual immorality when we don't experience his presence because you were created with longings in your heart that can only be satiated by his presence. And so when you don't go there, you will go somewhere else. And that is actually why I believe in Song of Solomon 1-2, it says that your love is better or more delightful than wine. Because if you've ever tasted wine, those of you that are over 21, if you've ever tasted wine, you felt like there's a physical sensation. And I don't think God was like mistaken to saying, but like in, the, in this realm, like mentally, it's better. No, he's actually saying the presence of God is better than wine. Experiencing his presence actually is better than the wine and the wine of this world. Psalm 1611. Um, if you've heard a, a, a message on God's presence, which it's so seldom talked about in, 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 in most uh, church traditions, but it can, it, can, it can be so ethereal feeling, like it's just out there and it seems so poetic. And, and like for us men, like sometimes that's hard because us men, we're like tactile, right? Like we get a football and like a wrench and like a friend walks up to you and it's not this poetic thing like, you know, hey, Mitch, my heart is entranced by the nearness of who you are. And that's not how guys communicate, right? You're like, hey, Mitch, and you hit him. Because guys are like physical and tactile, right? And I know you girls, you know, you're tracking more because you're sophisticated and you sit down and you look at each other and you say like 10,000 words and us guys are like, huh, sup? And the other guy's like, man, he really likes me. He took the time to say sup. So I want to give you a, a, maybe a more practical understanding of what it means to walk in the presence of God. I'm not, I'm not saying there's not the mystical, um, transcendent, part of it. But let me just give you something practical for, for you to understand what it's like to walk in the presence of God. What am I talking about? When my youngest child was, was to be born, his name is John Mark, we had all these great promises that we felt like God had given us. And so we were so excited. And then as Steph goes into labor and she's in the hospital, all of a sudden there the, all these Things are pointing to something's gone wrong, and the monitors on her are showing that his heart rate is decreasing and decreasing dangerously, and his oxygen level is going low. And so they have to induce her really quickly. The only child she had to be induced for, and they pull him out, and he's blue because the umbilical cord is strangling him. It's wrapped around his neck, and it would have killed him. And they pull him out, and, and he's not getting the oxygen, and things are not right. And so they say, We have to take him away and take him to the NICU, and you know that your heart is being ripped 
freaked out as a parent. And Steph can't go because she's recovering from this kind of traumatic birth. And so I go by myself. They're in the NICU. They're putting all kinds of tubes and all kinds of things all over him. And they finally get him to at least where they can step away and help the next child in the intensive care. And what I do, all I could think to do is I just put my hand, my big hand across his little seven-pound chest, seven-pound body. So my hand wraps around his whole chest. And I said, Daddy's with you. I am with you. I wanted him to feel me there. And then I started singing over him. I started going, how I love you, child, I love you. How I love you. I mean, I'm singing in the NICU. All these people, I don't care. I don't care. My son is in trouble, and I am with him. My hand is on him, and I am singing over him. How I love you, child, I love you. How I love you. God wants you to live with the understanding of his strong right hand upon you that's living in his presence. It looks like this. It's, it's not some ethereal thing. I never want you to forget this shirt. This is what I'm talking about. That his hand is across you. His big hand, it's so much bigger than you. It's wrapping around you. I never want to leave it. And I remember one of the hardest points of my adult life several years ago. I was in pain. I was in anxiety. I'm dealing with fighting off depression. Things hadn't turned out like I thought they would. I felt like I was just having to work and work and everything was going backwards. And I'm crying out to God at my desk in my study. And all of a sudden I have this image that pops into my mind. And it's of me as a little four or five-year-old kid sitting on a couch and I'm so scared, and I'm so anxious, and I'm so fearful about how life's going to turn out. And then I see this massive hand enter into the room, this glowing, supernatural hand, and it just does this and wraps around my chest. And in that moment, I felt I am a child of a father who has me in the grip of his hand. Just close your eyes for a second. I want to read these verses to you about what it's like. I want you to hear God's word about his hand. Isaiah 41.10, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 49, 16. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Isaiah 41, 13. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not, 
I am the one who helps you. John 10, 29, my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. Listen to Jesus speaking, John 10, 28. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. And Psalm 139, 10, listen to this truth of the word of God. Even there, your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. You can open your eyes, and you can just... Check and make sure your neighbor actually opened their eyes and didn't fall asleep by then. God's hand is on you. I want to live every moment with his hand upon me. So let me just quickly, in just the last several minutes, hopefully you're like, oh man, if this is my inheritance, I want it. I want to live with this. So how do I do it, Robert? How do I enter into this? Let me just give you some really quick keys. Number one, Repentance. You want to enter into God's presence. You want to experience his tangible presence. Start with repentance. Acts 3.19. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. You've been living dry. You haven't felt refreshed in God. Let me ask you, when's the last time you just sat before him and repented of everything you could think of to just get it out so that you could receive all of him? You let go so you can pick up. So just tonight, or even at the end of the service, just do that. Just start naming your sins and just saying, God, I turn. I turn away from it. You repent, not because God's mad at you, but it's because he wants more of you. Number two, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, it says, enter his gates with Thanksgiving. You want to get into where God is? Then just start thanking him. That's how I start my prayer time every morning. I just thank him. Usually I do about 20 different things. I just do that on my finger. And, and, and as I do it, I just start experiencing his presence. I'm, I start with God, you're good. I thank you for your goodness. And, and, and then I'm like, thank you that I woke up again. That's awesome. I'm awake. And then I'm like, I remember, I'm like, and I'm not going to hell. That's awesome. Hell stinks. But I get to go be with you. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. Just whatever. Thank him for whatever. I can breathe. I'm actually getting out of bed. What? There's food. I have food. Thank him. And his presence comes to meet you. And then it says, and his courts with praise. And you might say, well, I don't feel like praising him today. Well, I, I often don't either. But he deserves it, doesn't he? He is God, and he is good. So I just start with, God, you're good. God, you're faithful. I often, so many days, I do the alphabet of praise. I go through the alphabet, just praise him. God, you're the author of salvation. God, B, God, you are big. C, God, you are creator, and you are cool. And D, Lord, you're the defender. And E, you're everlasting. And F, you are a father. And G, you are gigantic. And I just, and H, you're holy. And I, you're invincible. And I, J, you're just. I just keep going. And eventually, I just start experiencing him because he inhabits the praise of his people. And then you start touching his presence. And then you realize, I don't want to leave it. I don't want to just have it for a minute. I, I don't want to leave it. And the amazing thing is God actually invites you to abide, 
John 15, he actually says, remain in me. It's your birthright to carry his presence every moment of the day. And my prayer is the longer I go, the less spells I have where I walk away from his presence. Right? Because you know when you've walked away, when you start grumbling and you're like, wait a second, I don't feel, or you start sinning and you're like, oh, wait. But no, I want to live. I mean, God didn't leave me, but I want to carry, I want to host his presence moment by moment. Let me finish with this story. So hundreds of years ago, there's this very impoverished young man. He grows up and, and, and his parents were peasants in, in, in France. And so just to survive, he joins the military because he'd get three meals a day and have a bed to sleep in. But then he has this surprise encounter with God. And so he doesn't know anything to do except uh, back then it's like, well, I guess I'll become a monk. So he goes in to become a monk so he could spend time with God. And instead of letting him spend time with God, they say, you have no talents. All you can do is wash the dishes. So they make him the dishwasher and he's frustrated and angry at the position he got. But he said, you know what? I want my whole life to be with God. And so I'm going to practice his presence while I wash dishes. And this simple guy became known as Brother Lawrence, who wrote a book called The Practice of the Presence of God. And what happened is people noticed as they passed him by that the peace of God was on him. And they noticed this uneducated man had a wisdom. And so people of all kinds of stations and high places in society would come to be in his presence to experience peace and to get wisdom from him. And he still to this day, hundreds of years later, is changing the world through one of the most soul books in all of Christendom called The Practice of the Presence of God. The presence of God is for you. But when you start practicing it, it changes the people around you. It's how a person that never leaves just washing dishes can change the world. Whatever your season, whatever your stage, whatever your job, as you practice the presence of God, you change people by bringing God into their reality. Stand up with me.